Here is the fourfold glory and beauty of God, everything that you most need to know about him. The Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That's everything you most need to know about God as a believer. He's gracious, he's merciful, he is slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And uh, Colin, instead of just saying, all right, that's all you need to know, we're done. Let's actually drill down on one of those today, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think this is rather like uh, saying there's water in the ocean. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it is infinite. It is endless. And to all eternity, we're going to be basking in the mercy and in the love and in the grace of God towards us in Jesus Christ. And we've come to this uh, often repeated fourfold description of God. It comes time and again through the Old Testament. That's why I say these are the things we most need to know, the first things we need to grasp. And God's mercy is right up there. And we're looking at the words of Jesus, blessed are the merciful. Why? Because that is a reflection of who God himself is. I want to experience the mercy of God and then want to learn what it is to reflect the mercy of God to others. Well, that's exactly what today's message is all about. So if you can, join us in Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at verse 7 as we begin the message, blessed are the merciful. Here's Pastor Colin. The Beatitudes really set out for us the distinguishing marks of true Christians. They're not there to tell us how to become Christians. They're telling us what true Christians look like. The Beatitudes, therefore, are to be used as a kind of a mirror. We're to, to hold them up and say, now, this is what a true Christian looks like. Are these things in me? Are these the things that I'm pursuing? And then we noted in the first part of our series that the Beatitudes are given to us in a particular order. There is a progression in which one leads to the next, and each springs out of those that have gone before. And we try to picture this um, in terms of uh, the image of someone doing the monkey swing, in which you move from one ring to another and reach each ring through the momentum that you gain from swinging on the last one. Now, if you have your Bible open at Matthew chapter 5, uh, you'll notice that the Beatitudes begin in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, here's the place where every person can begin and where every person must begin. There's no other place to begin. A recognition that when it comes to standing before God, we do not have what it takes, poor in spirit. And out of that comes what? Blessed are those who mourn. When I realize that I do not have what God requires of me, I begin to take ownership of the fact. I see and begin to loathe the sins that have put me in that position and to mourn over them. What comes out of that? Blessed are the meek, verse 5. We saw that meekness literally becoming used to the hand, like an, a wild animal with all of its energy and power being diversified and uncoordinated. And when it becomes used to the hand, where its strength is tamed and directed, it's in an altogether different and more useful position. And we saw that this is all about meekness is submitting to the hand of God. Uh, out of my sense of my own need and awareness of my own sin, I come to God and instead of saying, look what I've got, I say, oh God, give to me what I do not have and what I need and what only you in Jesus Christ can give me. I submit myself to you. And out of that comes what? A great desire, hunger, thirst, verse 6, for righteousness. Whenever a person submits themselves to Christ, the Holy Spirit will create in that person a desire to be like Jesus Christ, 
A longing for holiness is birthed by the Holy Spirit in every Christian. And here's what it looks like. A a true Christian is not a person who feels how righteous he is. In fact, it's precisely the opposite. A true Christian is one who has this great hunger and thirst to know more of the righteousness that he or she sees in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are distinguishing marks, unavoidable marks, inevitable marks of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of any person. And you can see that there's order and there's progress here. Uh, One writer says that the Beatitudes are like jewels, and the Lord Jesus Christ never flings the jewels down in a heap. Like a jeweler stringing together a beautiful, priceless necklace, he takes the jewels and he places them in order. And the Beatitudes string together for us what it looks like to progress in the Christian life and for us to uh, move forward together. Now, like you, I am finding this series to be very challenging. And here's the health warning as we come to the second part of it. The further we go down this series of rings, as it were, the further we progress in the Beatitudes, the more challenging this is going to become. And often we will find ourselves getting onto a particular ring and then we we fall off and there we are. And what happens when you fall off and you fail and you you mess up? Well, what happens if you're a Christian is you say, well, Lord, I I don't have what it takes. Be merciful to me. And guess what? The moment you've said that, you're on the first ring, aren't you? And I really hate this sin that has now overcome me and has pulled me down and and this failure. And I'm submitting myself to you that you would that you would help me and give me grace that I may move forward in a different way because I long, hunger and thirst after righteousness, to grow and to to be different and to be more like Christ. And you see what's happening. Straight away, you're getting back on the rings. You always begin from number one, and, and you're back at this whole business of making progress. And so that's what the Christian life will look like for all of us this year. Uh, There'll be many times where we find ourselves, as it were, falling off and we're cast back on the mercy of God and on which we always uh, rely and on which we always depend. Now, as we've looked at this series in the big picture, we have seen that, uh, to use our orchard language, there's a kind of roots, life, fruit pattern in these Beatitudes. The first three are really the roots of the godly life, to be poor in spirit, to mourn our sins, and to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. These are the roots of the blessed life, the godly life from which everything else springs. And what is the life that springs from that threefold root? Answer, it's the fourth beatitude. It is this great longing and pursuit of and going after righteousness. That is the distinguishing mark, the soul of the godly life of a Christian believer. And the roots of knowing your own need and of mourning your own sins and of submitting yourself to Christ will always produce the shoots of this wonderful life. These roots always nourish this wonderful life. They sustain this wonderful life and keep it growing, this wonderful life of going after righteousness. The the flesh can never produce this Um, only the roots of God's redeeming work planted in the human soul produce this life of the fourth beatitude. But then as that life begins to grow, the roots produce the shoots and the life, and out of that now comes, in the last beatitudes, an abundance of beautiful, beautiful fruit. And do you see what the fruit is in verse uh, 7, 8, and 9? Mercy, verse 7. Purity, verse 8, and peace, 
verse 9. Now, this is the fruit that's coming out of everything that we've been learning in the first part of our series, and it's where we take up the story from today. Well, we come then to the fifth beatitude and uh, begin on the great fruits of uh, the work of Christ, the redeeming work of Christ in a believer's life. And it says here, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And again, we're following our pattern in this series. We're spending two weekends on each of these Beatitudes so we can really think about them and, and work on them intentionally. Today, we're going to ask the question, what is Christ calling me to? And then next week, we're going to ask the question, how can I have more of this mercy in my life? Well, today then, what is Christ calling us to? The place to begin, of course, is the story of the Good Samaritan, which was read for us a few moments ago. And most of you are very familiar with this story. Uh, here's this man on a journey in a dangerous place. He's attacked, he's robbed, he's beaten, he's left for dead. Another traveler comes along, passes by. A second traveler comes along, same spot, sees the need, walks on. And then Jesus says, but a Samaritan came to where this man was. In verse 33 of Luke 10, when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. But it doesn't end there. Because he had compassion, Jesus says, verse 34, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, and he poured on oil and wine. And at the end of the story, notice this is very important, Jesus asks the question of the person with whom he's speaking, now, which of these three travelers who came down the road uh, was really a neighbor to this man who was beaten up and bruised and left for dead in the road? And uh, the one with whom Jesus is speaking rightly answers, verse 37, it was the one who showed him mercy, mercy. So this most famous of Jesus' parables is a story about mercy, and Jesus is teaching us here that mercy has two parts that are always joined together. The first is that there is a tenderness of heart. When the man saw him, he had compassion. That's the feeling of the heart. He's not one of these people who say, well, look at him, you know, he's, it's his own fault. No, uh, there was compassion. The heart was moved, the heart of the Good Samaritan, uh, by the sight of this man's need and of his plight. But not only was there tenderness of heart, there was action that came from the tenderness of heart. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. So mercy is always comprised of these two component parts, feeling and action. And uh, so we can define it this way, that mercy involves a tender heart that cares, a tender heart that cares, and acts, cares and acts for the good of others. That's what mercy is. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. That's where you'll be blessed, for they shall receive mercy. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed are the Merciful, part of our series Momentum. How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. Now, we're going to pause right here, but we'll get back to the message in just a moment. Well, maybe you're a new Christian and you're saying, well, now what? What does it look like to grow in my relationship with Jesus? Or maybe you have a friend or a family member, someone in your life, 
and they've recently become a Christian, and you're saying, what can I do to come alongside them, to encourage them, maybe to help them grow or disciple them? Pastor Colin has written a book based on our current series on the radio called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And this would be a great tool that you could use for mentoring and discipling other believers. Or maybe you've got a great desire to grow in your holiness, but you're not quite sure what that looks like. You feel like maybe you've plateaued or stalled in your Christian life, and you're wondering what the next step is. This book can help. We'd love to send you a copy of Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes, as our way of saying thank you for your financial gift of any amount this month. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org or call us at 877-OPEN-365. Again, the website, openthebible.org. Let's get back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Mercy is always comprised of these two component parts, feeling and action. And uh, so we can define it this way, that mercy involves a tender heart that cares, a tender heart that cares, and acts, cares and acts for the good of others. That's what mercy is. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. That's where you'll be blessed, for they shall receive mercy. I want to simply attempt three things today. The first is to remind you that mercy is at the very heart of God. The second is to remind us that it is at the heart of our calling as Christians. And the third is to give some practical examples of where all of us may be able to practice mercy this week. So let's begin here. Mercy is the very character of God. And It is so important for us to grasp this that when God revealed himself to Moses at Mount Sinai, God gave a beautiful fourfold description of what every redeemed person most needs to know about him. If you're a believer today, there are four things that you need to know about God more than any other. And it's so important that this fourfold description of God is repeated no less than seven times in the Old Testament. That's how important it is. And you will recognize these words. They were regularly repeated by the Israelites as part of their worship, and that is why uh, they're reflected in the Psalms so often. Here is the fourfold glory and beauty of God, everything that you most need to know about Him. The Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That's everything you most need to know about God as a believer. He's gracious, He's merciful, He is slow to anger, and He is abounding in love. Seven times we're told that in the Old Testament, constantly repeated in the Jewish worship of the Old Testament. This is your God. Behold Him in the beauty of His fourfold love and glory. And of course, as you know, the rest of the Bible takes up this theme so that when we get to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us this, that God is rich in mercy. There's a lavishness about this. Uh, There's an unlimited uh, mercy that is in the heart of God. It is inexhaustible. And it is forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, a believer says, all the days of my life. There'll never be a day when God's mercy is not new towards me. 
It is out of God's mercy that we are saved, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. And when Paul gives his own testimony, he says, when, I, when it comes to sinners, I was at the very front of the line. I was the foremost of sinners, the first of them all. But here's what happened. And he boils it down to this one phrase, I received mercy. Mercy. It's at the heart of your salvation in Jesus Christ. When you come to the book of Hebrews, you find the Scriptures zooming in, as it were, on the mercy of our Lord Jesus. We're told this, he had to be made like his brothers. That's Christmas. That's the incarnation. That's him taking flesh. So why was that? What was Christmas all about? He had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Why? So that he might become a merciful high priest. You see, because he has been in our skin, he's experienced and felt and seen human life from the inside. He knows what it's like. He's been there. And therefore, he's merciful. A merciful high priest. What is a merciful high priest? Let's try and put flesh on that. Think of the mercy of Jesus to Simon Peter. Remember, Jesus says to him, Simon, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter, you are going to fail in spectacular fashion. It's going to be the mother of all mess-ups. And there may be someone here and you say, oh boy, that's speaking to me. That's just what I've done. I'm in the middle of the mother of all mess-ups. And perhaps like Peter, you're left in that place saying, how in the world did I end up doing that? How in the world could I have got myself into this situation, into this mess? Whatever made me do it? And Jesus says to Peter, and this is for you today, you know, Satan wants to sift you like wheat but Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And Peter's faith did not fail. You say, well, didn't he deny Jesus? Yes, he did. His testimony failed, as your testimony may have failed. But Peter's faith could not live with his denial. His faith produced repentance. And so after the resurrection, you find Peter uh, next to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's saying, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, Peter, go feed my sheep. And he says that to the man who's been in the mother of all mess-ups. That's a merciful high priest. And you're so glad that that's your Jesus, that because of mercy your failure need never have the last word. That's mercy. And in Jesus Christ, God says to his people, I will be merciful towards their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. What a great promise that is for the new year. And when you know the, that Christ is a merciful high priest, you'll want to come to him. You see, as long as there's a lurking suspicion in our minds that God is really out to get us and condemn us and to just prove what a wretched uh, failure we actually are, as long as we have that kind of feeling that God is primarily condemning towards us, we'll try and keep at a distance from him, a safe distance, even when we're in church. But when you know that Jesus is a merciful high priest, 
and you see the beauty of what mercy is and his care and his compassion and his readiness to act for you, well, then you, you begin to feel you want to get nearer to him. I, I, that's what I need. I, that's what I'm looking for. And that's why the book of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find our grace to help in time of need. Think of the mercy of Jesus to Thomas. Think about Thomas's position. Here's a man in spiritual leadership, an apostle. And this man who is trusted with spiritual leadership, he's got responsibility in the service of Christ, and he knows that his own faith is not in a good state of repair. That's not a comfortable place to be. Unanswered questions have been piling up in his own life. And in his heart, he must have felt that he was slipping away. And even when the other disciples had gathered, there were occasions when he was not there. And, and the man who was once at the center of things is, is somehow sliding to the side. And, and it's not good what's happening in his soul. Here's the good news. Christ never lets one of his struggling children go because he's a merciful high priest. He's merciful. And you remember how Christ, after the resurrection, comes to this man in spiritual leadership who is struggling with his own questions and doubts and in his own faith. And Jesus says to him, Now, Thomas, you just put your finger in the nail prints in my hand. If you want to, Thomas, you can put your whole fist into this wound in my side. But listen, Thomas, you stop doubting and believe. And, you know, the risen Lord Jesus Christ is able to come near to a struggling believer at the beginning of this new year in this sanctuary today in that same way and to bring you to a place, and I pray that this will happen for some and perhaps many today, a place where you may not have been for years where with Thomas you would come to your knees and you would look up to this merciful Christ and you would say, my Lord and my God. Mercy. Pastor Colin Smith here on Open the Bible and a message called Blessed are the Merciful, looking at how mercy is the character of God on today's broadcast. Next time, we're going to continue this message and we're going to see how mercy is God's calling to us and we'll take a look at some opportunities for manifesting mercy. So I hope you make it a point to tune in. Our message is part of a larger series called Momentum, How to Make Progress in Your Christian Life. It's a look at the Beatitudes from Matthew 5. And the Beatitudes are not showing us how to become a Christian, but they're showing us what the Christian life or the blessed life looks like. If you want to go back and listen to any broadcast in the series, you can always do that at our website, openthebible.org. And if you'd like to order the 17-part series on CD, you can do that as well. Simply go to the store section of the website and search for Momentum. Our website is openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you Pastor Colin's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And Colin, what can we learn from the Beatitudes? 
Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes. Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365, and the website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Where and how can you be merciful? What would that actually look like? Find out next time on Open the Bible.